This podcast is sponsored by O's. O's is a premium disposable flavored vape. It comes in 12 delicious flavors and all ingredients are made in the United States. I'm personally in love with the lemon tart. It's practically always in my hand. If you vape and have not tried O's yet, you can head on over to letsoz.com. That's L-E-T-S-O-Z-E.com. You can order now and use my promo code HARMONY and get 30% off your order. Again, that's O's.com, promo code HARMONY. This episode is sponsored by Doom & Groom. Doom & Groom are a craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care company based in Denver, Colorado. Their oils, balms, butters, and pomades are great for use from head to toe, keeping your hair and skin healthy and hydrated. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and use my code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net, promo code HARMONYDOOM. Diane's a type of, of woman who I think could cut your throat and then sit down and have lunch next to your body. Hey guys, what's up and welcome to this week's episode. As always, my name is Harmony and I'll be your host. Chances are, if you're here, you are a lot like me, and you dive into some disturbing things in the world. Something about what people do and the dark parts of society is something of a fascination to many people, including me. And I'm going to assume you as well, because, well, (laughs) you're here with me. So what's up, buddy? Let's hang out together and talk about some of the most disturbing shit out there. Because that's exactly what this episode is. One of the most disturbing things I have ever come across. I'd like you to do me a favor and think of your mother. Now for some of you, this may not be a great thought. You may have anger, unhappiness, and issues. And believe me, I get this. If I think of my mother, I think of Satan. But for most people, thinking of your mother is thinking of comfort, is thinking of love, maybe chicken noodle soup or tomato soup on a day that you're sick and she's there to make sure you're taken care of. However, if your mother's name is Diane Downs, well, you don't have good memories with her. Instead, all you can think of is fearing for your life. This is the truly disturbing case of the murderous mother, Diane Downs. I wouldn't walk in there and say, this weird person came up out of nowhere and shot us for no reason and just left. I mean, that's not a believable story. I could have, if I had done this, I could have come up with a believable story. It really happened. Diane was born in Phoenix, Arizona on August 7, 1955. Her parents were Wesley Linden and Willa Dean Fredrickson. Now, Diane's early life may not have been the best, as she claims that her father sexually abused her. Nonetheless, Diane went on to graduate from Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, and this is where she met her husband, Steve Downs. After high school, Diane enrolled in Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California. However, Diane was expelled after just one year, and this was due to her promiscuous behavior. After Diane decided to run away from home, she got married to Steve Downs on November 13, 1973. They then had their first child, Christy Ann, who was born in 1974. Just two years later, they would welcome Cheryl Lynn. Then, in 1979, the couple's final child, Stephen Daniel, was born. This, however, was not the start of their happy family. Because in 1980, just one year after the birth of their son Stephen, they got divorced. 
Now, the reason for their divorce was due to the fact that Steve believed that Steve and Daniel, their son, who was known as Danny, was actually the result of an affair that Diane had had. I'm going to go ahead and interject something just really fast. I can't imagine being a parent who is wondering if the child you're raising is actually yours. And any parent that sticks around and does raise that child, I commend you more than I can even say. Because my father is one of those parents. As my mother constantly cheated on him before I was born and during their marriage and while I was growing up. My father to this day has no idea if I am, in fact, his biological child. And we don't intend on finding out, because as far as him and I are concerned, we are family. However, for many people, the thought that their child may not be theirs is absolutely enough to step away from a situation. Well, that's exactly what Steve did. He ended the marriage and moved along. Diane wasn't done having kids, however, because on May 8, 1982, Diane gave birth to a daughter through surrogacy. She named the child Jennifer before turning her over to her intended parents. Before the events of Diane's heinous crimes, she was employed by the United States Postal Service. She was assigned to the city of Cottage Grove, Oregon and their mail routes. Shortly before Cheryl Ann passed away by the hands of her mother, she had reportedly told a neighbor of her grandparents that she was in fact afraid of her mother, Diane. Now for many people hearing that a child is afraid of their parents, they're gonna dive in. What's wrong? What's happening? Everything okay? And half the time it's mainly because, well, the parents being a little stern and strict. However, Cheryl may have had reason to be afraid of Diane. And I'm about to tell you, exactly why. Over the weekend, rumors began to fly about We have not overlooked any possible suspects. Reporters covering the story were getting hints that Downs herself was a suspect. What has occurred here is just inexcusable. Late one May night in 1983, Diane sped into an emergency room drop-off in Springfield, Oregon, with a horrifying story to tell. Her three small children, Christy, Cheryl, and Danny, were inside her blood-soaked car, shot at close range. In this frantic scene, hospital employees quickly determined that Cheryl had already died and that Christy and Danny were barely even holding on to life. Diane had also been shot in her left forearm, though her wound was not life-threatening. Once police arrived on the scene, Diane began to tell her story of events. What would unfold will become one of the most bizarre cases to ever hit headlines. Diane claims that she had been flagged down by a bushy-haired stranger on a dark and deserted country road. Now, for anyone else, they absolutely would not stop. But Diane decided, hmm, I have my three kids. Why the fuck not? A detective, Doug Welch, remembers getting the call for what he says would turn out to be his first homicide investigation. He responded and made his way to Mackenzie Willamette Hospital and immediately interviewed Diane. He states that her initial statement was that she had taken the kids to a friend's house. Eventually, it grew dark, and upon their return home, she decided to do some sightseeing. You know, as one does. She decides, hmm, why not take some deserted country roads and take in the sight at night, in the dark? Logic. <laughs> I can see it. Because her kids were asleep, she thought it would just be a beautiful sight for her to hold on her own. <laughs> what? The detective goes on to state, quote, Along this road, off to the side, out stepped a man who flagged her down. 
She stopped the car and asked him what he wanted, and his response was, I want your car. This is when Diane replied, you've got to be kidding, at which time he pushed her aside, reached in, and shot the sleeping kids. I don't know about you, but that sounds super believable. Ha! <laughs> wow. Diane then said that she faked throwing her keys to divert the gunman's attention and pushed him out of the way, jumping back into her car and racing toward the hospital with her badly wounded children. She said that she did have a struggle with this stranger and this is when she was shot in the arm. Yeah, okay, I can see it, I can see it. I mean, no, the fuck I cannot. But maybe you're seeing something I don't. Maybe you're already believing Diane's amazing, phenomenal story. That sounds absolutely like malarkey. But at night, when I close my eyes, I can see Christy reaching her hand out to me while I'm driving. That haunts me the most. Now, upon arrival at Mackenzie Willamette Hospital, Cheryl, who was only seven years old, was already dead. Danny, who was three, had been paralyzed from the waist down and eight-year-old Christy had suffered a stroke. Now, hospital workers and investigators at this point were starting to become suspicious because they decided that her manner was, uh, it was too calm for a person who had, I am so sorry, my stomach just growled as loud as it could. <laughs> Let's try this again. <clears throat> All right, investigators did not really believe her story. They started to become suspicious because they decided that her manner of uh, her, how she was acting was just very calm for the fact that a mother had just witnessed her three children being shot and then fought off this strange man and was shot, in fact, herself and then had to drive this blood-soaked car to a hospital. I feel maybe I'm just thinking this as a mother. I would be fucking screaming. I would not be calm. I would be terrified. You would have to pry me away from my child to make sure he's okay because there's no way in hell that I'm going to be calm. Not even a little bit. Investigators really did believe that Diane was just far too calm, kind of lax for a mother who had just suffered something so traumatic. Diane also went on to make a number of statements that both police and hospital workers considered highly inappropriate. One of these people who had a very chilling encounter was Dr. Stephen Willett. Dr. Willett had just walked into his house after a long day working at the Springfield, Oregon hospital when his beeper went off. It was May 19th, 1983, a warm spring night. Willett, a general surgeon, checked the page. Quote, in those days, you didn't have cell phones. Yeah, that's true. I'm saying this like I was alive. <laughs> no, three more years than I'd be on this planet, but not quite yet. He is telling the truth, though. <laughs> Cell phones were not a thing. He did go on to say that any time his pager went off, he was constantly filled with dread, but also a little bit of adrenaline because it meant he had to do his job. Quote, beeper goes off, you get in there, and then bam, we have three children who have been shot. He stated, his whole body just tingled, and I thought to myself, what am I going to do with these three shot children? He added, it's very seldom that my body does a tingle like that. Something that was a bit unnerving. Willett immediately jumped into his car and raced to Mackenzie Willamette Medical Center as fast as he could. Even stating that he hit over a hundred miles per hour because he knew the severity and that these kids' life were hanging in his hands. When I heard about three children being shot, I thought, how am I going to take care of three people? Because I wasn't afraid of what I needed to do. I was afraid of how am I going to handle all of this. 
That was a statement from Dr. Willett himself. By the time he arrived to the hospital, Diane had driven her own car covered in his children's blood to the emergency room. She had been shot, as we stated, in the arm, though her wound was not at all life-threatening. Willett stated that he was immediately directed to start working to save Christy while another surgeon took Danny, aka Stephen. When I looked at Christy, I thought she was dead. Her pupils were dilated, her blood pressure was non-existent or very low. She was white and she was not breathing. I mean, she was so close to death, it's unbelievable. Another statement from Dr. Willett. He went on quickly and worked and eventually was able to revive Christy. Dr. Willett stated that Christy ultimately had a stroke because her blood pressure had fallen so low. And sadly, Danny was permanently paralyzed from the waist down, but they did both end up surviving. This is when Dr. Willett decided to go ahead and update their mother, Diane. He was extremely surprised by her reaction. Not one tear. You know, she just asked, how is she doing? Not one emotional reaction. He even added that she said things to me like, quote, boy, this has really spoiled my vacation. And he also went on to say that she said, that really ruined my new car. I got blood all over the back of it. He said that within 30 minutes of talking to the woman, he was absolutely positive that she was the guilty party. Now, if that doesn't have you convinced, don't worry, I've got a lot more to tell you. I'm going to tell you a few more things that Dr. Willett encountered when it came with Diane and why he believed wholeheartedly that she was in fact a murderous mother. According to Dr. Willett, Diane said, I know Christy's brain dead and I want you to pull the plug. The fuck? Are you serious? Bitch, she is a fucking bitch. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. Let me continue. <laughs> Dr. Willett, and I quote, states, in other words, just go ahead and let her die. He said to her, we don't know that. She's doing well, and I'm not going to pull the plug. He said, he said this in such a stern manner that I think she got it. But this isn't the end of Dr. Willett here. No. Dr. Willett was so convinced that Diane was a fucking murderer and psycho and a complete danger to her children that he went and found a judge who issued an order making him and another doctor Christie's guardians. That, that says something that a doctor, a surgeon who just interacted with the mother of these children was like, you know what? Hmm, something's fucking weird here. I'm going to go to a judge and I'm going to take care of this child because fuck her. She's definitely not. Another thing that Dr. Willett said is when Diane would come and visit Christy in the recovery room, her stats would start to spike as if she could have been in distress or being disturbed. When Diane showed up, Christy's pulse rate would go up high and you could see terror visibly on Christy's face. She was so afraid of her mother that this person who was supposed to be on her side was not. And Christy knew that. I just got chills and goosebumps. Like, that breaks my heart. Can you imagine that kind of terror? Feeling that terror from somebody who was supposed to be your parent. All I can equivalent or even amount to a way of feeling like that is with my mother. And if you are somebody who's experienced a parent abusing you, harming you, trying to almost end your life, or putting you in the hospital, I'm very sorry. I grew up with an extremely abusive mother who locked me in closets, kicked me in my face, kicked me in my stomach, dragged me by the hair across the house, hit me so hard I would spit out blood. 
However, this podcast is not about the psycho that is my mother. So let's not get distracted. My bad. But on a real note, if you have ever experienced abuse from a parent or a family member, especially to a severe degree, my heart is with you. I stopped and got out and asked him what was the problem. And he said, I want your car. And I said, gee, I'd be kidding. I mean, how many people really do that in real life? They don't. I just kept saying, God, do what's that. You know, if they gotta die, let them die, but don't uh, uh. Let me just throw in my two cents for a minute. Uh, this little clip that you just heard was Diane saying, if they have to die, let them die. Just don't let them suffer. These are words that I honestly never, ever thought that I would hear a parent say. Now, this could be barring, you know, like the death penalty. If your child does something and a court of law finds them guilty and is like, they have to be put to death. I could understand saying, well, if they have to die, just don't let them suffer, you know, make it quick because this is still my child. I love them very much. This is unconditional. It's very hard for me not to. It's just a hard thing. I'm not saying that this is okay because if this person did something to be put to death, they obviously did something brutal and heinous, at least in the United States most of the time. You know what? We're not going to get distracted on that. My point is no parent would voluntarily just be like, you know, if my, if my kid's going to die, let them. You just, just, just make it like quick, like right between the eyes. Just end it fast. Fuck no. A parent is going to fight tooth and nail. They're going to lay their life down. They are not going to stop until there's no ounce of breath in their body and they physically can not do it. However, Diane is a bird of a different feather. She is not like any other mother. Well, I mean, maybe several actually, several that kill their children. Nonetheless, it disturbed me greatly to hear a mother say those words. Fuck. It would disturb me to hear any parent say those words. Go ahead. Kill him. It's fine. Just make it quick, all right? I got somewhere to be in about like 10 minutes. That's what that sounds like. Suspicions heightened even more when Diane came to the hospital to visit with her children. She phoned a man by the name of Robert Knickerbocker. <laughs> Besides being a super fun name to say, this man was a married man and a former co-worker in Arizona. Why does that matter? Because Mr. Knickerbocker was actually one of her affairs. Sorry, I had to say Knickerbocker that way because that's just really fucking fun. Say it one time. Go ahead. You know you want to. Ooh, ooh, I caught you. You're saying it. You're saying it. It's fun, isn't it? Aha, uh -huh, caught ya. All right, you guys, be serious. This is serious. Shh, stop joking around. The forensic evidence did not match Diane's story. <gasps> That's a shock. What? I didn't see that coming. What a twist. There was no blood splatter on the driver's side of the car, nor was there any gunpowder residue on the driver's door or on the interior door panel. Now you're probably wondering, okay, so she got shot though, like that's proof. Eh. If she got shot in a struggle with this man, where she stated, which is right by the door because she was fending him off, there would have been evidence. It's just, that's just how it works. It's logic, it's facts, it's science. Also, you guys remember Mr. Knickerbocker? Yeah, he also reported to police that Diane stalked him and seemed willing to kill his wife if it meant that she could, in fact, end up with him. I'm gonna call over for you. I gotta get out of here, Prano. I got a stage five clinger. 
Another thing that Robert Knickerbocker added was that he was relieved when Diane left for Oregon and that he was finally able to reconcile with his wife. Seriously, <laughs> saying his name is just far too fun. Something Diane did not do was disclosed to the police that she in fact owned a 22 caliber handgun. However, Steve Downs and Robert Knickerbocker informed them that she did. Investigators later discovered that Diane bought the handgun in Arizona. While they were unable to find the actual weapon, they found unfired casings in her home with extractor markings from the murder weapon. The most damaging witnesses saw her car being driven very slowly toward the hospital at an estimated speed of, are you guys ready? Five to seven miles per hour. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. Hold on. If my son, child, children, multiple, were possibly dying in my backseat after an attack, I would not be driving at five to seven miles per hour. In the words of Ludacris. Because I am going to be doing Formula One style driving to make sure that my children do not die. I'm not joking. I'm going to turn into Mario Kart in there and I will start throwing shit to get your ass out of the way. Watch out for those turtle shells because I'm coming through. Now, Diane did claim that she sped nearly pushing over 100 miles an hour to make it to the hospital to ensure the safety of her children. Would it shock you to hear that based on the evidence, Diane was arrested on February 28, 1984. This was nine months after the shooting of her children. She was charged with one count of murder and two counts each of attempted murder and criminal assault. We were just out, I guess, sightseeing, I guess you'd say. And the kids got tired. They fell asleep in the car. So I decided to just head on home. But I saw a road I hadn't been on before. We like to take back roads and just went down that road. And there was a guy standing in the road, flagging me down, so I stopped. Everything was done in a matter of five or 10 seconds. He swung himself around and fired twice. One caught me in the arm, the other one I went off somewhere. Danny cried the whole way. I could hear him softly just moaning, and Christy was dying. God, the, all the blood, all the pain. Emotionally, she was flat. I kept trying to tell Detached. her to roll over so she wouldn't choke on the blood, and it didn't dawn on me at the time that the blood was coming from her lungs. Her behavior was not anything that you would expect for uh, a mother who'd gone through this. And as I say, she may be the only one to get me out of this. Would I have brought her to the hospital? Wouldn't she be the one that I would make sure is dead? There are too many holes in it. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Why would I have taken my kids to the hospital? Wouldn't I have made sure they were dead and then cried crocodile tears? That's insane to think that I would do such a thing and then bring the, the witnesses in against myself. That's crazy. Now, prosecutors in the trial would argue that Diane shot her children to be free of them. I mean, I guess that's one way to do it. I don't know. Maybe these parents that kill their kids don't understand that you can sign your rights over, you know, give them up for adoption. I'm not saying put your children into the system. No, by all means, children need to be raised by their parents. But please, do not ever take the option of murdering them. Please. I mean that. Can't believe I even have to say some shit like that. But here we are. Now, let me tell you the reason 
that they believe Diane did this. You see, she did this because she wanted to continue her affair with Mr. Robert Knickerbocker. Say, I just really like saying that name. Knickerbocker! <sighs> Again, I'm really sorry. She claimed that Mr. Knickerbocker did not want children in his life, and he made this very clear. So, obviously, because the married man that she was in love with didn't want children, she had to kill hers. Jesus Christ. I fucking hate people. <sighs> Let's continue, shall we? Much of the case against her rested on the testimony of her surviving daughter, Christy. Once Christy was recovered and her ability to speak returned, she described how her mother shot all three children while parked at the side of the road and then shot herself in the arm. Do you see now why I am talking so much shit? Seriously, this woman is a fucking see you next Tuesday. And in case you don't know what that is, and if you don't like the C word, cover your ears. This woman is a cunt. Again, if you don't like that word, I apologize, but she is. He did not take time to point the gun and shoot me, obviously, because he would have shot me the same way he did the kids. When he was swinging in the direction of the keys firing the gun, he hit my arm. Everybody says you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel very lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. It is very painful. It is still painful. The scar is going to be there forever. I'm going to remember that night for the rest of my life, whether I want to or not. I don't think I was very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I had been shot the way they were, we all would have died. The blood splatters on the outside of the car showing Downs shot Cheryl outside of the car. We saw pictures of this so-called spatter. <sighs> it's drops. When they took the kids, they took Chris and Cher out of the driver's side of the car. And it's blood droplets. What do I see most is blood coming out of Christy's mouth. Because that's what I see. Um, I, I can't see Danny. And I can't see Cher. Cher was laying on the floor. Danny is just crying real, real soft. So, so that sound stays in my mind. When I go to bed, I cry at night. Even now, I still cry. I dream about Cheryl. But at night, when I close my eyes, I can see Christy reaching her hand out to me while I'm driving. And the blood just keep coming out of her mouth. And that, maybe it'll fade too with time, but I, I don't think so. That haunts me the most. I'd like to interject really fast that that little clip that I just played for you is from an interview that Diane did. And at the end of what you just heard, Diane smiles. She smiles in an evil, maniacal way, in a way that screams, hmm. Did you believe me? In what I can only describe is the most Patrick Bates smile that I have ever seen. She is, in fact, a true American psycho. Diane was convicted on all charges on June 17, 1984. She was then sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years. She was required to serve at least 25 years before even being considered for parole. Psychiatrists ended up diagnosing Diane with narcissistic and antisocial personality disorders, even labeling her as a deviant sociopath. I mean, can you blame them? Most of her sentence is to be served consecutively. The judge made it clear that he did not intend for Diane to ever be free again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Downs' fourth child, the baby about to be born. I'd like to see him try to take this baby from me. And <laughs> how? I got pregnant because I miss Christy and I miss Danny and I miss Cheryl so much. I'm never going to see Cheryl on earth again. And I just, you can't replace children, but you can replace the effect that they give you. And they give me love, they give me satisfaction, they give me stability, they give me a reason to live and a reason to be happy. And, and that's gone. They took it from me. But children are so easy to conceive. Diane's two surviving children went on to live with the lead prosecutor on the case, Fred Hugie. That also could be Huggy. I honestly don't know how to say his last name. I have heard people say Hugie, Huggy, and Hugie. So, Fred. He and his wife, Joanne, adopted them both in 1986. That is amazing to me that that is that's like a happy ending for the kids as best as can be they are far away from their mother now prior to diane's arrest she actually became pregnant with her fourth child yeah this woman yeah she gave birth to a baby girl who she ended up naming amy elizabeth this was just one month after her trial 10 days before Diane's sentencing, Amy was seized by the state of Oregon and adopted by Chris and Jackie Babcock. They then changed her name to Rebecca. As an adult, Rebecca has since appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show and ABC's 2020. She went on to discuss how she feels about her biological mother. She even reached out to Diane in her younger years and has stated that she regrets it. She now currently regards to her mother as a, quote, monster. And I think we can all agree. Diane is a monster. That's not a believable story. I could have, if I had done this, I could have come up with a believable story. It really happened. I could smell the blood. I could smell the gunpowder. I, I could, it, it was just a really, really horrible feeling. But Diane says she... Sure, I, I could, I could sit here and cry and be all upset. And what's it going to prove? It proves nothing. I am who I am and I can't, I can't prove that I'm anybody other than what I am arrest me if I did it. If they really had this evidence, I say they didn't have the evidence. Serving only three years in prison, she escaped by scaling over a barbed wire fence. Diane was now on the run and a threat once again, but she says she was looking for the bushy-haired stranger. I wanted revenge at that time. I, I wanted to do some really obscene things to his body. But instead, 11 days later, she was apprehended, hiding in a nearby house with a former cellmate's husband. Diane was incarcerated at the Oregon Woman's Correction Center in Salem. However, she escaped from her cell in Oregon on July 11, 1987. She did this by scaling an 18-foot razor wire fence. She wanted to get out. For 10 days, Diane managed to escape despite a 14-state manhunt before she was captured again. She then received an additional five-year sentence for this escape. After her recapture, Diane was transferred to the New Jersey Department of Corrections Clinton Correctional Facility for Women. This was done after heavy lobbying from Mr. Fred Huggy, Hughie, that guy, the lead prosecutor on the case, the one who ended up adopting her daughter. This Salem prison was located 66 miles from his home in Springfield. During her 10 days of freedom, he stated that he feared that Diane would attempt to travel to their home in hopes of contacting Christy and or Danny. 
Despite the significant security upgrades at the woman's facility after the escape, state officials accepted Fred's argument that the risk of harm to Christy and Danny in the event of another escape was far too great for Diane to remain incarcerated in Oregon at all. You see, they weren't believing the fact that she escaped in order to go and find this bushy-haired male stranger that shot her children. No, they believed that she got out in hopes to finish what she started. In 1994, after serving 10 years, Diane was transferred to the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. While in prison, she has earned an associate's degree in general studies. And in 2010, she was located in the Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California. I have no idea if I said Chowchilla, right? It could be Cowchilla, it could be Chichilla. I have no idea how to say that word. So for any Californians, I am so sorry. Also, if you can hear my son screaming in the back, <laughs> he is actually, whether you believe it or not, across the house, but he is currently, he's playing video games, so... Yeah, I'm sure you understand. I just keep hearing, no, you killed me. Yeah, <laughs> let's continue. She was inevitably transferred out of that facility when that facility was turned into an all-male institution in 2013. This whole case has been turned into a book and a movie. Author Anne Roll wrote the book Small Sacrifices in 1987, detailing Diane's life and this murder trial. This book documents several accounts by friends, acquaintances, neighbors, and her surviving daughter, Christy. Then there was the made-for-TV movie titled Small Sacrifices as well, starring Farrah Fawcett as Diane. This aired on ABC in 1989. You know, a lot of people have asked me, what is Diane Downs all about? I can tell you that in two words, the devil. I think some men found her beautiful and dangerously seductive. She came up and introduced herself with no clothes on. Diane Downs is pure evil. Everybody says you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel very lucky. She was a mother of three in love with a married man. She saw the kids as a burden. They were in the way. If she didn't have these kids in the way anymore, she could have her lover. The quickest, simplest way was to eliminate the children. Th this is unheard of. It goes against everything you know as, as a mother. Diane had her first application for parole in 2008. On here, she reaffirms her innocence. You still maintain that you did not commit these murders? Or the, the murder and the other crimes you were convicted of? Absolutely. I didn't commit them and I still maintain my innocence. Diane would go on to say, quote, I have told you and the rest of the world that a man shot me and my children. I have never changed my story. Her first parole hearing was on December 9th, 2008. Lane County District Attorney Douglas Harkerode wrote the parole board, Downs continues to fail to demonstrate any honest insight into her criminal behavior. Even after her convictions, she continues to fabricate new versions of events under which the crimes occurred. He also wrote that, quote, she alternatively refers to her assailants as a bushy-haired stranger, two men wearing ski masks, or drug dealers, and even corrupt law enforcement officials. Diane participated in the hearing from the Valley State Prison for Women. She was not permitted a statement, but answered questions from the parole board. 
After three hours of interviews and 30 minutes of deliberation, she was denied parole. Diane then faced her second parole hearing on December 10th, 2010. And in what may shock you, she was again denied. I know, I know, super shocking. You didn't see it coming, did you? However, her next parole hearing is scheduled for this year. I'm personally hoping that it'll be a trilogy and this will be the third time she is denied. This woman on trial for murdering one of her children and shooting the other two, and she goes out and gets pregnant on purpose. It was like something out of a bad made-for-TV movie. She's hugely pregnant, wearing a dress that looks like the one Princess Diana wore when she was pregnant. It's an unbelievable spectacle. For so long, I ran from the fact that I was her daughter. Now, the daughter she gave birth to after being convicted of murder speaks out. The reality set in that that's who gave birth to me. It was scary. Just the cold look in her eyes. As her mother comes up for parole next year. She maintained her innocence. As far as I'm concerned, if you wanted to shut me up, they should have killed me. Well, guys, that's, that's what I have for you today. The really disturbing case of Diane Downs, the murderous mother. Diane was obsessed with a married man that led her to believe if she killed her children, she could be with him. And sadly, she would act on this and take the life of one of her daughters. I am often left flabbergasted at the actions of people in society daily. And that's why I sit here and tell them to you. If you guys have anything you'd like me to look into, crimes, murders, disappearances, conspiracies, hauntings, anything, go ahead and send an email out to me at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. If you don't have anything you want to send into the podcast, but you'd like to just go ahead and be my friend, you can find me on social media. My handle is oh, hey, it's Harmony, and I am currently on TikTok and Instagram. And again, a big thank you to my sponsors, O's Babe and Doom and Groom. It is because of you guys that I can continue to create this content every week. So guys, head over to letsos.com and doomandgroom.net. See what it's all about, and don't forget to use my promo codes. Love you guys. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you next time. Sure, I, I, could, I could sit here and cry and be all upset. And what's it going to prove? It proves nothing. I am who I am, and I can't, I can't prove that I'm anybody other than what I am.